I got this email from Devin, and it said, Just had a long sleepless night tonight, but I had a thought to share with you. See, I just got a new job offer with a new large company, and it's pretty sweet. Still two weeks until I start, so the background check is underway, as well as all sorts of onboarding paperwork. All the interviews are done, the essentials worked out. Seems pretty great, right? It doesn't feel that way, though, ugh. Now I'm getting a bad case of imposter syndrome with everything almost there. See, it's the factor of the unknown and unfamiliar that is the worst. All the official everything is starting to make me question myself. To top things off, the very day after I received the call with the offer and I accepted, I caught this flu bug that's been going around and that has definitely been shaking my confidence with my physical self feeling bad. It's creeping into my mental game as well. You might think that being aware of what is going on would help, but it's just not that simple. However, I also know that most programmers I've gotten to know well have gone through this before and expect to feel just like I do again. I've read tips, articles, and watched videos on the topic, but they just seem too general to really help. Maybe you might know something more specific to the field or other good ways to deal with those nagging thoughts. Hey there, I'm John Morris, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. So this episode, we're going to get into this. I actually do have a lot uh, to talk about when it comes to this and have dealt with it, of course, before. I've talked to a lot of people that have, and I'm going to share with you really what we're going to get into is one of the things that you said here is sort of interesting. You said you might think that being aware of what is going on would help, but it's just not that simple. And you're And you're right and you're wrong. Awareness is a really big part of it. And so sort of brushing that off maybe is 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 a little premature but at the same time it is not just that simple. And so what we're really going to get into is dissecting what actually is happening because we sort of know what's going on when it comes to imposter syndrome. And when you dissect it and break it apart there are actually very specific things that you can do uh to deal with imposter syndrome. It takes some discipline. It takes some effort. It's not just going to be this sort of effortless thing where suddenly your life is is different. You're not dealing with this anymore. But once you learn these skills, you can just sort of implement them every time this comes up, and it really does deal with imposter syndrome quite well. So we're gonna we're gonna sort of break all that down and talk about it and how to just deal with this once and for all because it is something that is going to come up again and again, and and, and we'll talk about why that why that happens. That happens for a very specific reason. So you're going to have to deal with it time and time again, but you'll have sort of the antidote to deal with it and you'll just be able to handle it and and move past it and not let it uh, get you down. So we're going to get into all of that in this episode. Before I do, this week I'm going to be releasing uh, a new course I did on creating a WordPress plugin. I think I may have mentioned this before uh, in the podcast, but I've recorded and, and and edited and done all of that sort of thing with this course. And I'm going to be launching that this week. So if you want to make sure that you get notified when that goes live so you can get access to that, be sure to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com and get on my mailing list. You'll see the, the uh, place to subscribe right at the top there. You're also going to get access to module one of my PHP 101 course when you do that. But I'm also going to primarily be going to be doing the launch and all that sort of thing via email. So again, head on over there, johnmorrisonline.com, get on the mailing list so you can be notified when that WordPress course goes live. All right. So with that out of the way, let's talk, let's, let's get into this. So the first thing I want to do is I want to dissect what imposter syndrome actually is, because I think it's crucial that you know what specifically is going on. You can't really, it's sort of like coding. If you don't know what the bug is, 
You can't fix the bug. So let's talk about what this bug is. Now, fortunately, there's not a lot of questioning when it comes to this. It's sort of uh, psychoanalysis 101. And, you know, psychology and psychoanalysis, something that I've been interested in for a really long time, over a decade and a half now, uh, half now, primarily because some of the stuff that I went through as a kid and then also being in the army, you know, going to Iraq and, and sort of dealing with sort of these different issues, I've had to, uh, sort of self-medicate in a lot of ways. So it's been something I've been really interested in and, and, I don't, I'm not necessarily some, I'm not claiming to be some psychoanalyst or some expert in this, but what we're going to talk about today is really sort of basic psychoanalysis 101. So I think we can, can talk about it and sort of be confident that what we're talking about is legit. So when psychoanalysts look at happiness, and we have to go through this to get to what imposter syndrome is, but when they look at happiness, it's not some sort of ethereal, unknown sort of thing like a lot of people tend to think it actually is quite well known what what happiness comes from what makes people feel happy and so it's broke down into two things those two things are confidence and well-being and so we'll start start with the the well-being side of things because that'll make it help us to understand the confidence side of things uh, a little bit better and you have to know both of these to understand what imposter syndrome is. But well-being is sort of, it's the emotion that you feel, it's sort of a reflective emotion. It's its what you feel when you look on your life, look at your life, and you kind of think, you know, things are good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the things in life that I want, that I feel like I deserve. You know, you're just sort of looking at your life and you have the things, you know, you have the relationships, you have you know the 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 financial stability the the career all that sort of thing it's you just feel good about your life because you're getting the things and you're doing the things and you're being the things that you want to be not necessarily everything but you have some certain level and sense of i'm i'm making progress i'm getting what i want that's what well-being ultimately is and that's one part of happiness now to generate well-being the way that you get well-being is through assertiveness. Again, this is sort of psychoanalysis 101. So you get what you deserve. You get what you want in life by being assertive, by standing up for yourself and making sure that, say, when you work with a client, that you get paid for what you did or you know, being assertive, applying for a, a job because you think that you have earned the ability to apply through that, to apply for that job by learning the skills that you need to learn in order to do that. So the, the day to day thing that you focus on in order to generate well being is being assertive, making sure that you get those things so that you can then reflect back on them and look at your life and feel good about your life. So that's an important part of happiness is making sure that you're being assertive to make sure you get the things that you deserve that you want in life. And that's one of the reasons why I talk a lot about that because uh, I'm very aware of this and a lot of people are sort of stuck with that assertiveness half of things. And it's really important that you be assertive in that sense. That's why I'm constantly pushing you to apply, apply, you know, try to get jobs, be assertive in that sense. Now, the other side then, of course, if, is confidence. And confidence ultimately comes from competence. This is one of the things why I think imposter syndrome is 
so prevalent these days and sort of nagging and doesn't go away is because there's a lot of people out there. I'll even use the words, the word charlatans, because I think a lot of these people do know this and, but they also know that they can give people these sort of experiences that make them feel a certain way. And they know those experiences are fleeting, but they, they know that they can generate a lot of popularity uh, and, and, and wealth for themselves by doing this. So not everybody, but I'll use the word charlatans out there. They've sort of convinced people that you can use magic tricks to, to generate confidence. And in some ways you can, but it's always fleeting. It's always for a short amount of tr- time. And then you need to do that magic trick again. And over time, that trick becomes less successful. So then you need to learn more tricks. And of course, the person teaching you the tricks has a whole sort of bag of tricks that they can teach you for a price, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we, we've sort of got caught in this idea that confidence can be faked. But ultimately, real, genuine, long-term confidence comes from competence. It comes from being, you're confident about something that you know you can do because you can do it. So if you go and, you know, you've never shot a basketball before, you're not going to feel confident about shooting a basketball. And you can do some magic tricks and, you know, visualization, all those sort of things. And in some sense, those things can help. But eventually, in order to actually be truly confident about your ability to shoot a basketball, you need to sit there and shoot the basketball. And you need to do it over and over and over again until you get good enough to where when you shoot it, you're pretty confident that you're going to make it. Not because of some magic trick, but because you've shot you know, 10,000 shots or whatever it is. So again, confidence comes from competence. However, in order to get that competence, you have to have the courage to go through everything that you're going to need to do to shoot the 10,000 shots and have a bunch of them miss, go through the failure, all of the stuff that comes with learning a new skill that can stop you, that's scary, uh, that can make you feel bad about yourself, all of those sorts of things. You need the courage to face those things in order to create competence, which then gives you confidence. And So the two things that we focus on when it comes to happiness are courage and assertiveness. In your day-to-day life, if you want to, you know, generate as much happiness as you can, those are the two things that you need to constantly be focused on trying to do. Be courageous and be assertive. Now, in one sense, those two things, and this is where we get to imposter syndrome, in one sense, those two things sort of go hand in hand. They're in lockstep with each other. You you maybe assert yourself a little bit and, and try something that's new and scary because you want to get something that you want out of life, like applying for a, a, a new job. So you 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 uh, you engage in that assertive assertiveness, but you're not you've never done that before, so you don't have the confidence to go along with it. So there's some fear there about what's going to happen, and so you have to be courageous to go through with it and face the possibility of failing and actually do whatever it is. This You have to actually go to the job and do the work and realize, oh, I am capable. You know, I do know what I'm doing. And that's when the confidence comes through. So you're always sort of pushing your envelope with assertiveness. And then you have to follow through with that, with the courage to generate confidence. And then you push yourself 
with the assertiveness and then you have to follow through with the, with the courage and ultimately that's what imposter syndrome is imposter syndrome is that gap between assertiveness and your current level of confidence so when you apply for a new job you may have taught yourself all the code in the world and you you're like I'm super confident in this code that I know how to code but having a job doing it is not the same thing as sitting in your house and doing it yourself. Okay, there's a whole set of, a whole range of other things that go along with having a job doing it that you've never done before. And you're being assertive, you're doing the thing that you should do in applying for that job because you think you've earned the right to do that, but now you have a gap between the way in which you've asserted yourself and where your current confidence level is. And that gap is what imposter syndrome is. It's ultimately just fear. It's a fear, as you said, about the unknown and am I going to be able to do it? And the reason you're feeling that way is because you've never done it before. So you don't know. And so what you need, what you need to realize is in that, to fill that gap, what you ultimately need is the courage to just go and do it, right? There's no no sort of magic trick in terms of, of getting around it, right? It, it is a legit, it's a legitimate sort of thing that's there, a legitimate fear that's there that you have to deal with. And the way that you deal with it is just by mustering as much courage as you can, putting your head down and going through it and realizing that, at, that the first day will be scary as hell. The second day will be a little bit better. The third day, even better. And there will be a time, as long as you're someone who, you know, it's hardworking, you're a good person who's reliable, could focus, all those sorts of things that I assume that you are, that each day is going to get a little better. And before you know it, you're going to be really confident about the job to the point you're like, why was I ever worried about this? So the big thing that I want to point out is that imposter syndrome and what's happening with you, it's not anything unusual. It's what's supposed to happen. You're trying something new. So you shouldn't be scared of it or, or worried about it. You just have to know that the thing to do is to, to the, there's no, how do I get rid of it? There's no, how do I, you know, say something to myself or, you know, read some book or write something down to, to make the imposter syndrome go away. That's not how it works. It's a legitimate fear of the unknown. The way you get through it is you just have the courage to do it anyway. Now, I assume that you know, you're not going to just go in and turn down the job. So you're going to do that, right? You're going to, you're going to just say, Oh, well, I'm scared, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. That's what you have to do. That's the biggest thing that you can do. So again, that's, that's what imposter syndrome is and what's going on. Now I will share with you sort of three things that will help you with, with this, to help you to deal with it and to put it Really, the, the idea here is to put what's happening into its proper context. That's why we need to break da- break it down so much and understand what's going on because that's really the first sort of step in this process. Now, before I get into this, when, when we go through this, it's going to be easy to sort of be like, mm, okay, whatever. That's sort of basic type stuff. And it is, but uh, this what i'm about to show you i just don't want you to underestimate what what's actually happening here so just to give you some semblance of of this is based off of a, a book that i read called resilience several years ago now the reason i read that book is because the i was in the army at the time and the army was having a real problem 
and I mean, in some ways still is today, but was having a really bad problem with suicides. And it was people that were coming back from, you know, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. They were dealing with PTSD. They would fall into depression and and ultimately would lead to suicide. So they're having a real uh, big suicide problem. And so they decided to implement, I think they call it master fitness trainer program. The whole idea was, is they wanted to the, one of the things that we never talked about when it, when I was going through basic training, AIT, all my military training, we never talked about mental health. But if you think about it, someone who's in the military and going all these places and doing all these things, that's a pretty important thing. And so they decided to implement this entirely new program that was going to be focused solely on mental health. And the, the, the program that they decided to implement or the people that they helped uh, they asked to help them create this program were the people who wrote this book that I read. So the reason I read it is because the army rolled out this program and they referenced that it was the authors of these books. So I'm like, I'm going to go read the book. And so, and the army still runs this program uh, to this day. And I can tell you for me, not only going through what the army taught, but also reading the book, it was a pretty life changing thing. It really opened my eyes to some things that I was doing that were really hurting my mental health. And, and, and specifically we could talk about some of the, uh, I'm not going to give you everything because there's a whole, I mean, there's like these seven skills and it's this whole long thing. If you, if you want, you know, if you want to get into all that, I recommend reading the book. I'll put a link to the book. I'm the show notes page for this episode, johnmorrisshow.com slash two eight two. But I'm going to give you the most important things that are going to help you deal specifically with imposter syndrome. So the first thing in that is what you sort of mentioned, what we've kind of been talking about is awareness. You have to know that it's happening and you have to know what is happening and why it's happening in order for you to be able to do anything about it. And 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 that's one part of it. But the big thing is is for you to notice and and catch yourself when it's happening. Okay, that's the biggest thing is in the moment for you to be able to have that awareness and that discipline to sort of take a step back uh, from from what's going on in your head and realize, okay, I'm I'm going through imposter syndrome right now. That awareness is key because until you do that in the moment, there's not a ton that you can do. You have to recognize that it's happening. When you do that, the second thing is, is they talk about this, and Stephen Covey has talked about this in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but there's this idea of stimulus response. So in animals, especially lower order animals, they sort of work just based off stimulus response. So just, you apply a stimulus, there's sort of an automatic non-thinking response that they have to it. Humans, however, are different. Because we have human consciousness, because we have the ability to introspect, we have the ability to form mental maps, we have the ability to create and evaluate different courses of action that we we can sort of visualize and imagine what would happen if we took different courses of action. And then ultimately, we choose which course of action we're going to take. So we have the ability to, to choose, and that makes us different than a lot of other at least the there's some sort of maybe grayer when you talk about higher order primates and stuff and some of this but generally speaking that's what separates us from animals is our the level of human consciousness that we have and our ability to choose the way that we are able to do uh, to do that so what that means is we don't operate off of stimulus response we have stimulus choice 
response. Now, oftentimes it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like we have a choice in the way that we're feeling about something, but we actually do because, and again, this is not my, this is not me saying this. This is sort of basic psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis, psychology. We know that emotions come from thoughts. Again, it might not feel that way, but because different people react to different situations differently, we know it's not automatic response. If it were, we would all react to the same situations in the exact same way, but we don't. We act to, we have a myriad of different ways that we react to things. And that is because there is a moment of thought that occurs before that. And that thought is based off of our experiences, everything that we've learned, everything that we know up to that point, all the content of our, of our mind sort of dictates what that response will be. And then when we feel a certain way, it is the thoughts in our head and what we allow ourselves to think that then feed those emotions if we let them. So we may have some sort of thing that happens to us. Let's say, you know, we get, let's say we get in a car wreck, right? And we didn't, it wasn't our fault. We had no control over the stimulus. Now, our reaction to that, you know, some people will react to that and they're like, oh, I got insurance, you know, it's no big deal. Maybe they, they're wealthy and, you know, the deductible is no big deal. And there's, there's a set of thoughts that could lead to a reaction of it's no big deal. Hey, it's okay. No problem. Are you okay? That sort of reaction. And and people I've been in racks where I've done that and people I've, you know, there's people that do that all the time. There's source of course could be another reaction where it's maybe someone, you know, uh, this is their one car, they need to get to work, you know, they're they they're living paycheck to paycheck and this accident is like a big deal. My life is literally going to fall apart. I've also <laughs> had moments in my life where I've had that reaction. And so, again, it's the thoughts that ultimately control the emotions. Different mental content leads to different reactions. And then the thoughts that we allow ourselves to think in that moment will either feed those emotions or not. So the whole point of this second step is to understand that you have a choice in how you respond and allow yourself to feel. And it is your responsibility to not let yourself feed into those emotions and allow yourself to continue to feel worse and worse and worse. You have a choice. So if you don't want to feel that way, then don't feel that way. Think different thoughts. Now, I know immediately what people say, well, that's, that, that's hard to do, right? That's, I mean, yeah, you can say that, but how do I actually do that? And that's the third piece of this. Now, we're going to, this is ultimately, we're going to talk about a mental trap in the book and in their program. They talk about, I think it's seven or eight different mental traps that exist, but the one that I've noticed the most in myself and really other people that I think can be the most debilitating. And in particular, when it comes to imposter syndrome is what's called worst case scenario thinking. So that's the one that I want to talk about here. So what happens is so we have some sort of stimulus. In your case, it is you applied for a new job and you got hired, and now you, you you're having this sort of moment of fear where you're you have that gap between assertiveness and confidence, and, and that's making you feel a, a, a certain way. So what happens is we have this stimulus, and now we start to engage in worst case scenario thinking. Well, you know, I've never done this before. What if I go there, and you know, I I start working and everybody realizes that I don't know what I'm doing. 
and they all start snickering behind my back and you know they start talking about how bad I am and why did they hire this guy and then you know something happened I'm asked to do a project and I totally screw it up and everybody knows that I screwed it up and I get yelled at and I ultimately get fired and now how am I going to go apply for another job at another company when I just got fired at the one that I was working from and I'm not going to be able to do coding at all and I'm just going to but coding is what I really love and I'm going to have to give it all up and I'm going to have to do something I hate for the rest of my life and I'm going to you know that sort of pathway of one thing leads to another and next, before you know it, it's like, my life is ruined. Why did I even apply for this job? That sort of thing. That is worst case scenario thinking. And if you've ever, I'm sort of making light of it, but if you've ever experienced it, which I assume you have, you know how quickly that can happen and how when you look, sort of look back on it from a different perspective, how it does seem a little bit silly. So the way to deal with worst case scenario thinking is, again, understand that that's that it is happening okay i'm engaging in worst case scenario thinking second to realize i have a choice whether or not to continue down this path i'm not controlled by stimulus response i have the ability to choose and i can change the way i'm feeling by changing the way that i'm thinking by not engaging in worst case scenario thinking anymore and then one of the, the thing that they recommend and that has worked wonders for me is whenever you feel yourself going down the path of worst case scenario thinking to engage in best case scenario thinking. So you, you've done this worst case scenario thinking, you become aware of it, you realized I have a choice here. So now what I'm going to do is instead of continuing down that path, I'm going to outline a scenario in my head of best case scenario thinking. So you say to yourself, I got hired at this job. Yeah, I'm a little scared, but what if I get there and realize wow, I'm better than everybody here. Like I'm just, I just know a ton more than all these people. And what if everybody there realizes that too? And they decide after a week that I should be a senior developer and they make me a senior developer. And I don't do so good being a senior developer that a month after that, they decide that I should be the CEO of the company. And let's say I become CEO of the company and I do so well and make so much money and I make some smart stock moves and I actually am able to buy up a majority ownership in in terms of stocks of this company and I become, you know, a 51% shareholder and I basically own the company and now I'm flying around in fancy jets and going to these meetings with fancy people all in a couple months from now. And you'll look at that and you'll go, you'll laugh and you'll sort of roll your eyes like, that's silly. That's not going to happen. The thing to do is realize that all of the logical leaps that you made in your best case scenario thinking to get to you being the CEO flying around in fancy jets are the same silly logical leaps that you made in your worst case scenario thinking that the best case scenario situation as is as likely to happen as the worst case scenario thinking they are both silly nonsense and you should laugh and roll your eyes at both and so what happens when you do that is one you give you can't just say, I'm not going to do this thing anymore because your mind tends to get fixated. You have to do something else. You have to redirect your mental focus onto something else. So by going into best case scenario thinking, you're first just redirecting your mind off of worst case scenario thinking, which breaks the cycle in and of itself and gets you off of that in the first place. But then it also gets your mind to realize how stupid that worst case scenario 
that you made up in your head was. And your brain is a smart thing. Over time, it starts to, it, it notices that you just pointed out to it that it was engaging in a uh, fallacious, erroneous, wrong way of thinking, that that mental process was silly and stupid. It notices that. And the more you do this, the more it starts to realize that that is a, a bad sort of process and a bad habit, and it start, starts to deprioritize those pathways. And what eventually happens, and I, I can tell you this from my own experience, any time where I feel sort of fear and I find myself start to even begin to get into a worst-case scenario thinking, uh, it's become sort of automatic for me. I'll... It, it, I may go through one or two iterations of this sort of worst case scenario. Oh, I, you know, people notice I'm bad and then I'll get fired. And it's sort of like my brain goes, wait a second, I know what's going on here. And I, I just sort of find myself automatically laughing and rolling my eyes at that. And I don't even have to engage in the best case scenario thinking. My brain already knows that what I was about to do was stupid and it stops itself. And that's what happens over time. And you get to the point where you still, when it comes to big things, you're still going to feel it and you still have to be disciplined and go through these processes when you're really feeling fear. But when it comes to smaller, simpler things or things that maybe you've, you've kind of dealt with before, your brain just sort of knows and it starts to sort of do the work for you. It's a very fascinating uh, uh, part of, of, of the human experience, but so again, it does those two things. It gets you out of that cycle of worst case scenario thinking and breaks that 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 chain and also then over time works to make it less of a thing that affects you to the point where you know, you just sort of go throughout your life and you don't have to worry about that so much. Not that you never experience uh imposter syndrome, but you don't experience it on the level uh that you do when you don't deal with it. And this is why we sort of stepping back from all of this. This is why I think that people who, especially programmers, they'll say you, they tell you they've experienced imposter syndrome and they say that it never goes away and you're always going to deal with it and so forth. And that is true in some sense, because whenever you're pushing yourself beyond, you're always going to have some, some fear there. But I think a lot of people just never learn how to deal with it properly. And so the bigger sort of the higher they go in their life and their career and so forth, the more scary it gets. And so that imposter syndrome can be really, really debilitating if you never learn how to properly deal with it and, and get by it. And that's why sort of people always talk about it never goes away. It, it, it can You can make it subside substantially if you know how to deal with it. So anyway, that's what I wanted to to uh, give you in, in, in this episode, hopefully that helps break it apart and really tear down exactly what it is and what to do when it comes to, uh, imposter syndrome. Now, speaking of imposter syndrome, one of the things that's really interesting about it is, you know, whenever you, a lot of people that, that are developers tend to focus on just the code. And so they think if I know the code, then I'll be confident when I go to apply for the job or uh, I'll be confident when I go to try to take the freelance client or whatever. And what a lot of people quickly realize is, is that's not the case, right? It's a new thing. Freelancing is a new set of skills. Working at a, a job doing tech work is a different set of skills. Coding is a part of it, but there's all these other things that go with it. And so there's still going to be some fear there. But imagine if you weren't 
confident in your coding skills, if you hadn't actually done the work to get to a level where you knew that you knew what you were talking talking about, imagine how much worse that imposter syndrome would be. So what I want to encourage you to do is to make sure that you get the skills to the level that you know what you're talking about when it comes to your coding skills. In particular, when it comes to PHP, I think one of the ways that you can do that is through my course at johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP. And the big reason why is because it's not, I don't just show you what to type. I show you why. We talk a lot about the why behind the code and you understanding not just the syntax of PHP, but programming principles, how to build professional applications, how to, you know, understanding why we're writing something one way versus another so that you get it at such a level that when you're done, you just feel like, okay, I know this inside and out. I know what I'm doing. That's my sort of goal for for you with the course and why I created it in the way that I did. So again, you're always going to feel some fear when you go to apply for a job or whatever, but it's compounded and uh, like 10 times worse if you don't have the coding, if you're not confident in your coding skills uh, on top of that. That can make it just even worse. So again, I want to encourage you to make sure and get that part of it handled. Uh, the course again is at johnmorrisonline.com slash php. That'll take you to the course on Udemy. That also includes a, a special coupon code for listeners of the show. And again, it helps support me in doing what I'm doing here with the show. So I'd appreciate that. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you liked it, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with somebody who could stand to hear this, whether it's individual or group. I know there's a lot of people that deal with imposter syndrome. I think there's a lot of people that could benefit from hearing uh, hearing this, so I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with them. Also, if you want all the past episodes, plus all the subscribe links to subscribe on Android, iTunes, TuneIn, all that stuff, you can find that at johnmorrisshow.com. And finally, I'd appreciate if you'd rate and review the podcast over on iTunes. That helps to grow the show, get more people introduced to it and all that. Uh, and I will also give you module one of my PHP 101 course for free if you will do that. All the details for that are at johnmorrisshow.com. You can click on the start here link at the top. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.